Skunk on the Table! Welcome to Skunk on the Table, a series where the focus is on simple, clear conversations about topics concerning our conference and the denomination. And today I'm here with Bishop Sue because the topic is disaffiliation. So Bishop Sue, in your words, what is disaffiliation? Well, disaffiliation, well, I'm going to just start by saying uh, my observation in the Virginia Annual Conference is way too much time and energy is going into this disaffiliation conversation. Um, I, I think every minute, every ounce of our energy should be going out and introducing people to Jesus Christ. Uh, that's the heart of the matter. That's what we are here to do. And I see churches just wound tight and constantly in this struggle that really um, is impacting their witness mm -hmm. and is, it's not reflecting well for anybody in our communities. Uh, there's not a community in the Virginia Annual Conference in which more than, you know, 1% are United Methodists mm -hmm. and maybe 5%. Um, they're just... People are not church. People aren't going to church. And, and I just read an article the other day in a, in a very evangelical conservative publication lamenting that young people aren't coming back to church. You know, we used to say, oh, when they have a kid, they'll show back up. They're not because they're disgusted with the church right now. Mm -hmm. They see the church as judgmental. They see the church as fighting, which it is. They see the church as not a welcoming and loving place. Mm -hmm. And, you know... My understanding of the church is that it is to be a beacon of love and joy and hope that gathers people in, introduces them to Jesus, and then lets Jesus do the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Mm -hmm. And we've lost that focus. Yeah. And if we don't have that focus, you know, I'm really ready. I, I'll go do something else. And most people want to do something else because I was called mm -hmm. to lead the church of Jesus Christ out into the world. And I think of the early Methodists. They were, they were fantastic. John Wesley saw that the Church of England was way too privileged mm -hmm. and way too locked in and rigid and way too locked into the walls of the churches and that people were out there having no connection to God. And so his push was to get out of the church and get out of the walls of the church. And he broke every, the, the, the Church of England Book of Discipline, he broke every rule because he totally defied the rules. And, you know, the church said, you're appointed to a parish. And John Wesley said, the world is my parish. I'll go anywhere God calls me to preach. And he did. And people who had never heard the gospel flocked to him. And he created a movement that came to this country. And that's what we're a part of. That's our legacy. That's our heritage. A movement of connected churches, of connected followers of Jesus, mm -hmm. where, we, where we do work together and have this great vision of a web of relationships that goes around the world. All of us wearing the name of United Methodist and being in mission together in very different places. Mm. And so when it comes to disaffiliation, my understanding of disaffiliation is it's for the limited, and I think, you know, I think Tom Berlin articulated it best when he said, if you believe that every church 
must uh, prohibit gay weddings. That, that, that there shouldn't be a gay wedding in any church in the United Methodist Connection. And if you believe that no annual conference should be able to ordain lesbian and gay folks, then disaffiliation's for you. Mm -hmm. Same token, if you believe that every church must marry and every annual conference must ordain, disaffiliation's probably for you too. And I truly believe the vast number of United Methodists, and this is bearing it out, there's only about 2,000 churches, 3,000 max out of 30,000 that are going to disaffiliate. Uh, I think most people in the United Methodist Church are in the wide center. And, you know, we can disagree, and I love John, we can disagree if, if you can't, uh, you know, give me your hand if we don't agree. Let's work together because you're never going to have any organization of human beings that agree on everything. Mm -hmm. And this is not an essential of the faith. And so uh, I think disaffiliation is for those churches that identify as we just cannot sanction that. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's many. And I don't like the traditional versus progressive labels that I hear because I know a lot of traditionalists with gay kids, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I think that that's an unfair label. And so I want, what I want to say loudly and clearly is traditionalists are welcome. Mm -hmm. We need traditionalists. Uh, there was a pastor and she was talking about, oh, somebody asked her when the Lutheran church split, and she's a Lutheran priest, what, was, what did she miss? What mm -hmm. was the result? And she said, I missed the conservative wing. And there was a big banner of the Holy Spirit, a bird behind her mm. in the church. And she pointed to it and she said, my observation is if a bird doesn't have a left wing and a right wing, it doesn't fly well. And so uh, the, the right wing, I think rightly, has always had an emphasis on personal piety um, and personal holiness, that we are supposed to be transformed uh, to be more like Christ. And I love that emphasis. And the left wing has always emphasized the social holiness where, uh, you know, you can't think like Jesus and be a group transformed by Jesus and not have your heart break for the situation of people mm -hmm. around you. And so the ideal church, and I think the United Methodist Church is one that does this well, that it's two sides of the same coin, mm -hmm. that you have to have personal piety and you have to have so social holiness and there needs to be a balance and they need to be held together. Mm -hmm. So we need both parts of the church to remind us who we are in our entirety. Mm -hmm. And um, I have very close friends who are traditionalist, but um, they are not breaking away because of LGBTQ issues. And I think that, um, and not issues, people. Mm -hmm. You know, that's another thing. These are people. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I just asked the church to consider, I wasn't always... Uh, a centrist on this issue I, I, on, with regard to LGBTQ folks till I had so many faithful, godly, amazing LGBTQ leaders in my churches. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just have to listen to the Holy Spirit. And you don't have to agree with me, but I just wish you would give the Holy Spirit a chance and talk to the very fine LGBTQ folks in our churches. Mm -hmm and see the depth of their relationships. 
and see the love they have for Christ and his church and to see, um, you know, to see folks who are, who are Christ-like and to not, be, <laughs> to not be susceptible to the kind of nasty PR game that's going on. I mean, the one drag queen who was certified as a candidate in Indiana, show me a hundred. But I, I, that, that guy has parents. That guy, you know, to, to use him as a poster child mm-hmm. for all that's negative in the church, I don't think is fair. And, you know, I, I also, it would be like me saying, oh, don't join the traditionalist branch of the church because you'll all be like Westboro Baptist people, you know, the really nasty folks who stand out and protest mm-hmm. all the time. That's just not fair. Mm-hmm. It's an unfair characterization. So um, I would say when it comes to disaffiliation, if your church is contemplating it, have a talk about what's great about the United Methodist mm-hmm. Church. Um, and if you have other groups coming in trying to sell themselves as the better alternative, I would say give us your vision of the future. Tell us what you're mm-hmm. about. Tell us who you are. Tell us what your identity is. And don't bash the, I mean, what I see is 99% of what is conveyed about the United Methodist Church is awful. It is exaggerated. It is untrue. Um, if I see once any more that the United Methodist Church doesn't believe in resurrection or the lordship of Jesus or the Bible, um, that's not fair. They're, they're not playing fair. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> I had a pastor uh, who, um, a, a person from one of the alternative groups, well, it was the, the Global Methodist Church uh, called and asked to present in his church. He said, I, you are welcome to come, but you can't say anything bad or negative about the United Methodist Church. You need to present to us the positives mm-hmm. of coming with you. And he called him back a few minutes later and said he wasn't going to come. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just think that um, I'm tired of seeing the smear campaign against the United Methodist Church. I'm tired of the fear and I would say if you are being motivated by fear or you're being motivated by threats or you're being motivated by negativity, pray and think about it. Mm-hmm. Because I, I look at leadership and I don't understand leadership by fear or leadership by anger or leadership by negativity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that reflects the fruits of the Spirit. I don't re- think that reflects Jesus Christ. And so I hope that folks will really pray and think about this Mm -hmm. and not just jump on the bandwagon. The other big skunk on the table is seldom do I hear this departure, this disaffiliation framed in terms of LGBTQ, which is the Mm -hmm. limited provision in the Book of Discipline. I have seen uh, seen Mark Tooley, I've seen others, make videos and say, hey, you need to get out by December if you want your property and you want to avoid appointment by a bishop and if you want to avoid paying apportionments. Mm -hmm. And that's not appropriate. None of those reasons are reasons for departure Mm -hmm. under 2553 of the Book of Discipline. So um, I want people to understand, first of all, that... um, 
the, the trust clause is a good thing, mm -hmm. that John Wesley inserted the first trust clause in the Book of Discipline. Because all churches, shouldn't they be held in trust for the church, right? Uh, and that's why, sadly, when churches close, when they can no longer function, um, there's a legacy, right? And the United Methodist Church uses those resources to build new churches. It's what's mm -hmm. fueled the, the future. And I know in North Georgia we had a lot of closed mill towns, and those churches dwindled that were once bustling, mm -hmm. and it was really sad. But I've talked to a lot of those folks in the closed churches, and what joy the notion of legacy gave them, that we're going to use the resources from this church to present Christ to a new generation, mm -hmm. maybe in a different location, maybe in a different kind of configuration. But we're I'm trusting that, you know, the United Methodist Church in this faith will outlive me. Mm -hmm. And I think the trust clause is a way we invest in the future. And quite frankly, I've heard WCA and Global Methodist Church folks say the first thing they're going to add is a trust clause. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't have a trust clause, uh, whatever the ruling faction in your church is controls the church, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why that's why so many Baptist churches split, right? That's why you have 25 little, where you have one Methodist church. Because, you know, anytime there's a church fight, if the winners get to keep the property, you've got an ugly situation. So I think that, um, think about the world of hurt you could mm -hmm. be putting your church in without a trust clause. And... Think about, you know, about one cent out of every dollar comes to the annual conference. Well, comes goes to the general church. And probably, I don't know exactly for Virginia, but usually between five and eight cents on the dollar goes to the annual conference. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at less than a dime. And I would look at, at, look at it as a tithe, right? It's less than a tithe that's going to do the connectional work in the world. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that way my little church wherever is having a global impact. Uh, we're sending resources to Ukraine, which is desperately divided. You know, can you imagine the carnage there? We're sending resources to countries in civil war in Africa. Uh, we're sending resources all over the world and creating new ministries in Cambodia and other places. Uh, these are not just money poured down the drain. Mm -hmm. And I can honestly say from the annual conference level, we will be focused on every penny and making sure that every penny goes into mission or equipping the church for ministry. And that the annual conference, I see it, is to serve the local church mm -hmm. in its ministry, to resource it, to help it, to um, give it new vision and new insight. And I, I look forward to that. So disaffiliation, I think um, you, are, you would be leaving a vast and worldwide network for what I think is going to be a pretty small denomination. Um, the denomination that broke off the Episcopal Church, the Anglican Church in America, has about 300,000 members. And um, that's about... That's about the size of the Virginia Annual Conference. Mm -hmm. So if you want to join a group that size, that's about what you're looking at. And I think that, um, you know, <laughs> for all their evangelistic furor 
and all of their sense that they had the right idea of church, the Anglican Church of America, is losing members now. Mm. It gained all its members by stealing Episcopal congregations, right? So it's growing, 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 and now no growth anymore. And that's, I guess I'll close by saying this. I do not understand why a branch of the church that is so critical of the United Methodist Church that says that we aren't focused on evangelism, that we're doing everything wrong, that if, if, you know, but for us, people would be flocking to their churches. If that's the case, I do not understand why these you know, excellent evangelists who are preaching evangelism all the time. I haven't seen any evidence of it, right? Mm -hmm. I have seen only uh, proselytizing of churches Mm -hmm. and trying to steal churches and trying to infiltrate churches and trying to use misinformation, quite frankly, and disinformation to uh, sway churches to come their way. Mm -hmm. I would say if you want to be evangelist, go be evangelist. You, that's my concern. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am here out of concern for young people, for new generations, and my observation is a lot of the folks who are seeking disaffiliation, it's a generational thing mm-hmm. because most of the groups, and I've met with hundreds of groups, in the majority of them, virtually everybody's over 65. So I would say let's put our energy into new and young generations to folks who've never met Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. because they are dying, they are falling away, they are becoming increasingly disgusted with the church while we sit and talk about disaffiliation. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I have to answer to Jesus one day and I think he's going to hold me accountable Mm -hmm. and he's going to say, why in the world, Sid, did you allow a group of people to spend all their time and energy discussing how to divide up my body. And I always ask this in every town hall meeting. If I have to face Jesus one day face to face, I think I would be, I, I, I wonder what he would say. That, you know, I'm disgusted that you allowed some gay weddings or that I'm disgusted that you shredded my body that you were pitted long-term families against each other. And I've seen these relationships destroyed. I've seen the carnage in our churches. And I think in, when you weigh it in the balance, I think that the devastation in the churches and the shredding of the body of mm-hmm. Christ is what is most heartbreaking about this. And... Um, I think it's doing untold damage to our witness, Mm. to our future, to our connection, and to our very calling. And so I would plead with our churches, get back to your basic business. Christ will sort the rest out. Mm. We will not be a whole denomination of drag queens. That is crazy. We will not be a whole denomination of people who don't lift up the resurrection and proclaim the Bible as the, well, as it says in our articles of religion, the Bible contains all things necessary for mm-hmm. salvation. So um, I would walk this path very carefully mm-hmm. and very prayerfully and consider the potential for damage. Mm-hmm. And um, 
focus, as much time and energy, I would ask our pastors. And, and this is the last thing I'll say. I think if you're a United Methodist pastor, you need to be speaking on behalf of the United Methodist Church. Mm. I don't understand neutrality. I don't. Um, when I became a member, when I went through confirmation class and joined the United Methodist Church, the question, the vow was, will you be loyal to the United Methodist Church and uphold it with your prayers, your presence, mm. your gifts, and your service? And as far as I know, that vow still applies to every lay person. And every clergy person added vows to that to be loyal to the church. And so if you're a United Methodist clergy person, I expect you to be speaking on behalf of the United Methodist Church, and I expect you to be filtering information into your church mm -hmm. um, that is negative and against the United Methodist Church. I don't think you can sit on your hands and just say, oh, this is the laity's choice, and I'm just going to let other people. No, you're a United Methodist pastor. And I, we have traditionalist United Methodist pastors, mm -hmm. solid. I love them, and they will stay. And I will, I pledge to them, I will promote you, I will give you, ex I need strong traditional churches and I need strong leaders. So I pledge to them, I will promote you, I will mm -hmm. celebrate you, I will work with you, I want you to stay. But if you are in your churches working against the United Methodist Church, if you are trying to lead churches out or lead your people out, do not expect a great appointment from me. Mm -hmm. Do not expect cooperation from me. Do not expect respect from me because I fundamentally disrespect anybody who says that they are a United Methodist pastor and works against the United mm -hmm. Methodist Church. If I had a problem, a conviction, if I thought the church was doing something against my core beliefs and my core understanding of the church, I would be out tomorrow. My credentials mm -hmm. would be on the DS's desk and I'd be gone. And I wouldn't have to take one person with me and I wouldn't have to take one building with me. So if you have conviction, live into it. In fact, most of, the, most of what I'm hearing in the conservative circles of the church that want to leave, it sounds to me like they're Baptist. Mm -hmm. Their view of scripture, their view of not wanting a connection, all of that. So there are avenues for pastors to serve. Mm -hmm. But I expect United Methodist pastors to be United Methodist pastors. And um, so I think those are my thoughts mm -hmm. on disaffiliation. Well, I would just ask also, I'm hearing you say, be boldly UMC. Absolutely. Focus. I'm proud of the United <laughs> Methodist Church. This is an amazing thing. Mm -hmm. You know, when they poll the United States, the folks in the United States, and they say to people who've never gone to church, if you are thinking about going to church, where would you go? They say the United Methodist Church. Because we are a, we are a church of grace mm -hmm. and a church of wide, you know, um, you are welcome. And we're not going to beat you up when you disagree with us. As long as the essentials, right? Mm -hmm. And the essentials are in the book of discipline. I invite you to buy a book of discipline and read it. But there are non-negotiables, right? You have to believe in Jesus. You have to believe in the resurrection. Mm -hmm. You have to believe that the church is the body of Christ in the world. You have to believe, you know, there's a whole list in the articles of religion of stuff that you have to believe. And 
you know, this week the Board of Ordained Ministry met, every one of those new United Methodist pastors had to vow and write and show a theology that supports all of those essentials. Mm -hmm. That's not negotiable. And those are clear. Mm -hmm. And so I would say if you and I have those basic beliefs, which really boil down to do you believe in Jesus Christ, do you believe he's alive in the world today, and do you believe in his transformative power, give me your hand and we'll change the world. We're not going to argue about stuff that's not essential. Because, you know, John Wesley, John Wesley, this is one of the saddest things ever. John Wesley's best friend, one of his best friends was George Whitfield. And George Whitfield came to the colonies and, and had an amazing ministry. But he and John Wesley parted company and had a huge severance in their relationship because George Whitfield believed in predestination and John Wesley didn't. Now most of us today are like, oh please, predestination. Well, millions of Christians died over the issue of predestination. So sometimes we think what's a big deal to us isn't going to be a big deal a couple hundred years from now. Mm -hmm. But anyhow, what was sad was uh, John Wesley was asked to preach George Whitfield's funeral. And he, he regretted that they had parted company. And that, that sermon is where we get, can we not agree to disagree? Mm-hmm. And if he and George Whitfield had, had agreed to disagree on predestination, what, I, I shudder to think how even more amazing those movements would have been. Those men together would have been a mighty force for Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So why don't we learn from that? Learn from that example. And um, I think we can do a lot more together than apart. Mm -hmm. I think it's an all-hands-on-deck time for Christianity because we're losing people. Mm -hmm. And it's time where all Christians need to quit fighting each other and be in lockstep mission to the world. Mm -hmm. And um, that's my hope and prayer. The last thing I'll ask, Bishop, if we're looking at the church, because obviously a lot for what we're thinking about is General Conference in 2024. Mm -hmm. If we are in the Virginia Conference, are boldly United Methodist, if we are focused on our mission, putting less energy and disaffiliation, Mm -hmm. where can this conference go in 2024 and beyond? I think that this conference can, you know, I, I think to me um, the elegant solution is, and it always has been, to take the language out of the Book of Discipline that says that Christianity, that homosexuality is incompatible with Christian, with Christian teaching and allow it to be up to every pastor to decide who they will marry. That's always been the case. And leave it up to every church to decide what will occur on their property, have the trustees decide. That's always been the case. And have annual conference boards, ordained ministry decide who to ordain. That's always been the case. And I think that is, that, that is, I think, where probably 60 to 70% of the church is. You know, let's move beyond this. Let's leave it in the hands of clergy and churches to, to their discretion and discernment. And, you know, moving into the future, <laughs> time has a way of resolving everything. And 
uh, you know, uh, people will accuse me, oh, you're caving into culture, but I'm just stating a reality. Uh, latest Gallup poll, 72% of the people in the United States support same-sex marriage. So we can stand on this as a huge issue and stand on this and refuse to budge, but I think the sands of time are going, and I think, you know, whatever your opinion is, uh, this is not something that is going to serve the church well a hundred years from now. So the church has always moved and shifted with the times. The church has always been accused of caving into culture. We were accused of caving into culture when we allowed divorced people to remarry and divorced people to be clergy. Uh, we, you know, we were, we were way accused of caving into culture when we allowed women to be ordained. So, um, you know, sometimes you can cast it as caving into culture. Sometimes you can cast it as a movement of the Holy Spirit. And it, quite frankly, we're discerning right now which is this. Mm. And, um, but the church can't be hamstrung anymore in its mission by this. Thank you, Bishop. So that's it for us for Skunk on the Table. We do know we have a called special annual conference on February 18th, but I appreciate the discussion about disaffiliation. Good.